0: you've got a Bible, you might want to start turning to uh, Isaiah 61. We'll be reading the King James Version. We're going to be very posh today, um, uh, this morning. We very rarely read actually out of the King James Version. The English um, scholar, uh, Oxford scholar and parliamentarian and whatever, uh, author, uh, Melvin Bragg, probably not a Christian, wrote a whole book about uh, this version of the Bible. And this is what he said. He said, The King James Bible has often been called the book of books. Since its publication in 1611, a long time ago, it has been the best selling book in the world and many believe has had the greatest impact. I like this bit. You may be a Christian, you may be anti-Christian or of another religion or none. You may be an atheist fundamentalist and think the Bible is monstrous, but Whoever you are, the King James Version of the Bible has driven the making of the world you live in over the last 400 years, often in the most unexpected ways. This book walks with us in our daily life. There has never been a book to match it. That's what Melvin Bragg says, probably, as I say, not a Christian. It's a big claim, isn't it? So, good morning, everyone. That was a little introduction my name's Raj. Uh, I'm uh, one of the elders here. If you're a visitor here, you are very welcome. Um, thank you for joining us on our birthday party countdown Sundays. We are nearly 20. No, no. We did this last week, and you were meant to practice over the week and then sort it out by this week. We are nearly 20. That's better. Uh, I love going to birthday parties. There's a big one on the 21st of October, so invite your friends. So in preparation uh, for the last, uh, in preparation for the 21st of October, for the last few Sundays, we've been looking at, as you know, a very dear passage to us, Isaiah 61, which is a passage, for those of you who are new uh, here this morning, uh, has brought vision and movement to us over, uh, over, the, over the last two decades. And actually, it's still a passage that inspires us, prophetically breathes life into all we are and do. Receiving Jesus, off Isaiah 61, for our vision. Receiving Jesus in spirit and truth. Reaching out to those who are, as Gavin told us, economically and spiritually and uh, aspirationally and relationally poor. Restoring communities that change communities. Releasing everyone into their God-given calling. Our Isaiah 61, for our vision. And so through the weeks, we've, been, we've tried to approach this passage a little bit differently to how we've done it maybe in the past from a perspective of different people, the different people groups described in it. The church jubilee is not a faceless army. I remember Terry talking about this. It's made up of people who God loves and sends, you and me. And you know what? We started, didn't we? We started with God, the Sovereign Lord. A good place to start if you're going to talk about uh, this passage. Simon spoke about the nations a few weeks ago. Gavin, um, um, uh, last week, talked about the poor. The poor. Um He's a Teesside lad through and through. Like Sam. Uh, and, so this week, and so this week, it's the turn of the priests. The priests of the Lord, actually, what the... Um, uh, what the passage says. So let's read Isaiah 61 from the uh, uh, King, jo- King James Version. So remember, have your hats and bows ready. The Spirit of the Lord God is upon me, because the, Lo- because the Lord hath anointed me to preach good tidings unto the meek. He hath sent me to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives, and the opening of the prison to them that abound to proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord and the day of vengeance of our God, to comfort all who mourn, to appoint unto them that mourn in Zion, to give unto them beauty for ashes, the oil of joy instead of mourning, the garment of praise for the spirit of heaviness, that they might be called the church, trees of righteousness, the planting of the Lord, that he might be glorified. And the promise is, they shall build the wastes of old, they shall raise up the former desolations, and they shall repair the waste cities, the desolations of many generations, And strangers shall, te- shall stand and feed your flocks, and the sons of the alien from Gentile settings from other nations shall be your ploughmen. I love diversity, and your wine and your vine dresses. But ye shall be named priests of the Lord. Men shall, call, men shall call you the ministers of our God. Ye shall eat the riches of the Gentiles, and in their glory shall ye boast yourselves. For your shame ye shall have double, and for confusion they shall rejoice in their portion. Therefore, therefore in, the, in their land they shall possess the double. Everlasting joy shall be unto, unto them. We'll stop there. Let's pray. Yeah, Lord, I thank you for this passage. I thank you for the many people groups, the different people groups that you talk about. I thank you, Lord, that you are a God who transforms us, that you release us from the past, as we just heard there, from Gemma. The difficulties, the problems, those, those terrible knots that we get into, that we come across. And I pray, Lord God, that you undo those knots as you do. I thank you so much for that. And you release us into this amazing kingdom manifesto that Jesus boomed out 600 years later as he sat in the synagogue and opened the scroll and said, this is all about me. And Lord, we want to be all about you. And so I pray, Holy Spirit, as, we preach the, as I preach the word this morning and as we hear, let us be, let you be our teacher, Lord. Come and teach us this morning. Come and inspire and motivate us this morning in Jesus' name. Amen. So, the question this morning is, what on earth has the priesthood and the ancient temple system of worship and sacrifice and ritual cleansings uh, uh, and all of that stuff got to do with me? Is there a problem? Ah, I was just checking in case I'd done something wrong. And what is all that priesthood and priests and cleansings and rituals? What on earth has that got to do with us? What does that mean for the church? So we're going to kick off by doing a little bit of uh, a study, if you like. We're going to look at what is the Old Testament priesthood? What was the ancient Israel priesthood? So I don't know, I was wondering how to kick this off without being boring. So I don't know what you'd think about if I was to ask, what is the most dangerous job that you know going? What occupation would be the scariest thing to do? So here's a few. This is the first one. Um, This, you're not going to get it from the picture, but this is Alaskan crab fishing. Alaskan crab fishing. I bet you wouldn't have came up with that. Um, uh, that one. This is actually the most dangerous job in America. Did you know that? Freezing cold, cramped living and fishing conditions, crazy sea waves, icy decks, you're 26 times more likely to get injured or die doing this than working, in the, working at the checkout in Aldi. That's a fact, almost. How about this one? Cleaning the windows of the tallest buildings in the world. These guys have got, these guys up there have got their marigolds on. And they are abseil washing the Burj Khalifa in Dubai. The tallest building in the world. Scary. Check out this one. These guys might look like clowns. And that's because they are clowns. They're rodeo clowns. These crazy people get paid loads of money as they distract raging bulls uh, so that the bullfighters can get out of the rings alive. We don't like bullfighting, though, do we? No. Here's one more. These guys are students at Teesside University. (laughs) And you know what? That is a scary place to be. So we're praying for you guys. Try and do some of the things on this picture and try and avoid others. Why am I telling you all this? For no reason whatsoever. No, that's not true. Because in the Old Testament times, if you were to ask this question, what's the most dangerous job out there? You know what? The priest, the priesthood might have been way up there on the list. You see, the priests were part of a privileged group of people, a chosen few, that had very specific duties in ancient Israel, and it was, and it was dangerous. It was scary sometimes. Here's four kind of things that they did. Firstly, they would offer sacri- they offered sacrifices. That was one of the probably the most uh, common things that they were known for. They were the ones. um, No, they they, they were the ones, and no one else, that were allowed to approach the tent of meeting and pass through that holy of holies place, the curtain six feet high, three inches thick, a sign of God's holiness and unapproachability. And on the other side of that curtain, they would make atonement for the people, offering meticulously prepared animals. No shortcuts. Massive attention to detail in order to transfer God's righteous judgment off of the Israelites' failings and sin onto this perfect spotless lamb. That's what they used to do. And that was a dangerous job. There's a story in Leviticus 10 where where Nadab and Abihu, who were the eldest sons of Aaron, it's a bit of a confusing story really, but they were taken out literally. By God's fire because they didn't do it properly. A big responsibility. God is holy and not to be messed with was the message. Priests also had direct access to God in ancient Israel. They would be the ones who would come before God after a whole load of washings and ceremonial dressing and cleansings and ritual preparations in order to represent the people before God and represent God before the people. They were kind of like mediators. It was a serious job. There's a powerful story again in Numbers 16 when the judgment of God falls on Israel because of their self-righteous and re- self-righteousness and rebellion. And Aaron, even though all the people's rebellion is aimed at him, feels, actually, I need, to, I need to save these guys. I need to sort this out for them. They don't know what they're doing. And so Aaron, and it says in um, um, It says in Numbers 16, So Aaron ran into the midst of the assembly. The plague had already started God's judgment among the people. But Aaron offered incense and made atonement for them. He stood between the living and the dead. And the plague stopped. Being a priest was treacherous business. They also blessed people. That was one of the perks of the job. We all need perks when we work, don't we? Leviticus 9 says this, Moses and Aaron went into the tent of meeting. When they came out, they blessed the people and the glory of the Lord appeared to all of them. Fire came from the presence of the Lord and consumed the sacrifice of atonement that they'd prepared. And when all the people saw it, they shouted for joy and fell face down. Priests brought the reality, the presence, the prophetic voice often, the joy, the celebration, the blessing of God to people. And four, they prayed for Israel. They prayed 24-7 often with incense burning 24-7. And so this priestly tradition and practice continued for centuries. It was an important role. Um, We're back in ancient Israel. And it continued year on, year in, year on, year in, until Jesus came. By then, you see, God's religious rulers, as Jesus saw it, um, religious rulers and elders had become corrupt and manipulative. Jesus was forever having arguments and confrontations with the priests and the religious leaders of the day. They had organized the whole temple system so that it bigged them up made them money, gave them power and control. Jesus hated it. Jesus battled it. Jesus had come to transform and restore it. That's how the Bible pans out. And so on the cross, after three years of ministry and speaking into this, on the cross something phenomenal happened. And you'll remember this if you've read the Gospels. As Jesus breathed his last, we read about it in Matthew 27:51. At that moment, on the cross, the curtain of the temple was torn in two, from top to bottom. Six feet high, three inches thick. The earth shook and the rocks split. Everything changed. The exclusive priesthood and temple worship, as Jewish people had known it, was about to come crashing down. A way had now been opened through Jesus through Jesus Christ for all people to come to God. Without, without having to go through specially chosen priestly people and structures and rules and regulations that had gone before. The curtain of separation and unapproachability was ripped to shreds. Everything now was different. 1 Corinthians 6.19 says, Do you not know? He's talking to us. Do you not know the church? Your bodies are now temples of the Holy Spirit who is in you, whom you've received from God. All of us. 1 Peter 2 says, You, all of us, as living stones are being built up as a spiritual house. For a holy priesthood to offer up spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. You, Jubilee, are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for God's own possession. What a privilege that you may proclaim the excellencies of Him. Not not just the priests of old. You have been called uh, out of darkness into His marvelous light. What an amazing truth. Now we all have priestly standing before God. No more special buildings, sacrifices, rituals, separate classes of people known as the clergy, ministers, priests, pastors, even uh, pastors even. No more dressing differently. No more being treated differently. No. This new better covenant of Jesus has made a way for what theologians call the priesthood of all believers. All of us have a responsibility now. All of us have a new job. That's what Isaiah 61 is promising, isn't it? I don't know if you notice that. The poor, the broken hearted, the blind, the captives and the prisoners. All of you, all of us, because that's often what we've, been, what we've been drawn out of. All of us, ye shall be named priests of the Lord. Mention call, men call, men shall call you ministers of our God. Radically different, radically releasing, radically transforming. Sarah, Derek, Shirley, Stew, you're the priests of Oxbridge. Tom, Sam, Caleb, you're the ministers of Teesside University. Mim, Angela. Um, others who work in the hospital, your hospital priests. Do you get it? Do you see what I did there? The priesthood of all believers. It's our new vocation. So, as the priesthood of all believers, so 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 let's let's keep going. As the priesthood of all believers, um, what are our functions now in this new covenant age after Jesus? Because it's actually actually pretty much the same, but very different. Here we go. You see, as priests in action, we are still called to sacrifice, aren't we? But those sacrifices are different. No longer the offerings of bulls and goats, but sacrifices that are different, more meaningful sacrifices now of prayer, praise, thanksgiving, repentance, justice, kindness, and love. We're free to do that. This is how the Apostle Paul puts it in Romans 12. I think this might be the message version. So here's what I want you to do, Jubilee, God helping you. Take every day, your ordinary take your every day, your ordinary life, your sleeping, eating, going to work and walking around life, and place it before God as a sacrificial offering your new job description. You see, Jubilee, God has shaped you for purpose. Shaped you for purpose. It's a little an acronym. Is that what you call it? This gracious God has given you spiritual gifts, Jubilee. God-empowered abilities for the benefit of others. 1 Corinthians 12, 7. Now to each one. Now I'd like you to shout out, each one, that includes me. Doing it really quietly today. Shout, each one, that includes me. Each one, that includes me. We need to get this, don't we? Now, to each one, that includes you, the manifestation of the Spirit is given a grace gift from God for the common good. Not just for us, actually, for the common good of this city, this nation, and the nations. Spiritual gifts. He's given you a heart that reveals the real you, your desires, your hopes, your dreams, your affections. Don't try and be someone else. God has created you just as who you are. He's given you abilities. Uh, Oh, yeah, I forgot about those photos. He's given you abilities. Talents, what are you naturally gifted at? What do you love doing? The church is a great place to explore these questions as you serve, as you give yourself to being involved and getting stuck in. He's also given you unique personalities. You know what? Jubilee, you are a quirky mixed bag of beans. And I love you for it. And I'm one of those beans. Probably the most quirky, yes. I love that about this church. A guy guy called Ray, he was here a few weeks ago or last week, um, once prophesied in a prayer meeting in the early days of Jubilee that over the years, out there will look like in here. And more and more that is happening. I love the diversity of of this church. He allows our life experience to shape who we are and how we can be an encouragement and a light to others, doesn't he? Some of you have been going through really, some of you are going through or have gone through really tough times. God wants you to know that he is there. Romans 8:28 says, We know that in all things God works for the good of those who love him, who have been called according to his purpose. Jubilee, you are shaped for purpose. As priests in action, we all still represent people to God and God to people. You see, we have a very big problem. That's how I see it when I read the Bible. And when I, when I, the outworking of my faith. And this is the problem, I think. God is invisible. Have you noticed that? It's a problem that actually stretches across the whole Bible story. In a world where people tend to worship what they can see or feel or touch and taste. God is easy to ignore. In March 1966, John Lennon from the Beatles famously said, We are more popular than Jesus now. Because that's what it looked like. Time magazine asked a similar question a few weeks after and the title of the article is, Is God Dead? It wrote a spoof made up, obituary, as if God had died and the world was remembering like you sometimes read in the gazette when someone really dies. And it read this. God, creator of the universe, principal deity of the world's Jews, ultimate reality of Christians, and most eminent of all divinities, died late yesterday during major surgery, undertaken to correct a massive diminishing influence. But we know for a fact, don't we, God isn't dead. There was a film about that, wasn't there? He's actually very live. There's an empty tomb somewhere to prove it. But God's master plan was different to what the world expected. People out there don't, and and, and I think people out there don't get it. Because if we're honest, sometimes people in the church don't get it. What's his master plan? Hear this. The invisible God wants to be seen through his people, you and me. As men and women of different tribes, tongues, people groups, families, cultures and personalities, God's wa- God wants you, the church, to display his intent. Ephesians 3, the manifold wisdom of God made known to the rulers and authorities in the heavenly realms according to his eternal purpose. That he accomplished in Jesus Christ our Lord. Not sit back and enjoy the ride. Not fade into irrelevancy. That's what we're about, Jubilee. His mirrors to the world. The church is his bride, his army. I was listening to Simon Holly, who now oversees Catalyst New Frontiers family, the Catalyst New Frontiers family of churches, and he was describing that that when the movie, uh, The Da Vinci Code, came out, load, loads of Christians decided to boycott it and pick it outside, it outside with banners. This was, a, if you don't know The Da Vinci Code, this was a f- fictional thriller movie trying to debunk early church beliefs in the Bible. And it was a terrible movie. It was a terrible book. And they estimated probably these actions of Christians reduced the sale of this film by about $1 million. But do you know how much money this film made? Eight hundred million dollars. Now don't hear what I'm not saying. It's not wrong to speak out negatively against things that offend Christians. There's a place to do that, definitely. But do you know what? There was another film called The Lion, the Witch and the Wardrobe, which... Uh, is a, which was um, C.S. Lewis' Lewis's parody of the gospel, where Aslan, the great lion, dies for the sake of humanity. The sons of Adam then rises from death again to bring victory to those in battle. Sound familiar? This was a great film. This was an extraordinary film. This blew the Da Vinci Code right out of the box office. Do you know how much it made? 1.3 billion dollars. Do you see what I'm getting at? It's not wrong to say no. We We should be saying wrong to say no. We should be saying no a lot. But more and more... We want, our, we want our churches not known just for our nose and tut-tuts and shaking heads, but rather we want a church, we want Jesus' church to be celebrated and remembered and, 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 and invited in for its yeses and joy and jubilation and celebration and freedom. Matthew and Mim organising a brilliant bank holiday camp, saying to parents and kids, come be with us, come and see the church, yes! Baz Mohammed, Jassim, Elam, Ali Reza, Saroush, Jabba, Andy, Nev over the years cooking burgers and sausage sausages in the crazy heat of a barbecue for four hundred people serving um, serving to put on the best party in the village in the village. Yes. Rob, John, Angie, the Hope Devoted Group putting on an alternative Halloween event, treat or treat, or the picnic church celebration. Yes. Stockton praising and worshipping. Bang in the centre on Stockton High Street. Yes. Do you see what I'm getting at? Let's be a church that says yes, yes, yes. More than we say no. As priests in action, we, still, we all still sacrifice. We're shaped for purpose. As priests in action, we all still represent people to God and God to people, saying a big yes. Thirdly, as priests in action, we are still to be God's blessing to everyone. In Jeremiah 29, in the midst of the people of God being exiled out of their promised land to the pagan godless Babylon, God booms out these shocking words which would have chilled the bones of those um, who were listening. I think Daniel probably used this as his um, blueprint for kingdom uh, living. Jeremiah 29 says this. This is what the God of Israel says to all of those I, hello, carried out into into exile from Jerusalem and Babylon. so too will you prosper. Shocking then, shocking now. When I have conversations with my uh, um, Christian, when I have conversations with some of my Christian friends about certain life situations, I often think of this very passage when they're in difficulties, difficult places. You see, subconsciously, me, me included, subconsciously we're thinking and praying, Lord, I'm a Christian, get me out of here. When actually God wants you to be a blessing. Some of you student guys may have thought, why Teesside? This might have been your last choice. Some of you are in jobs that are hard and you face opposition and insult. Some of you are from different nations and different cultures trying to work it out. Some of you are thinking, why is this all going on in my marriage and my family? But God says, I carried you into exile from Jerusalem to Babylon. I put you there. It was my plan. Why? Because I want my truth out there in amongst all that. I want it to shape and transform and miraculously heal. I want my ways of thinking in the midst of their ways of thinking. I want my worship towering above all the other idols that are worshipped out there, not separate. But also in the midst of all that, he says, don't just melt in. Be there but don't melt in. Seek the peace and prosperity of the city. Pray for it. That's the deal. Get deeply involved at all levels, culturally, socially, economically, faithfully, but always be that light that shines Jesus bright, magnifying the beauty and the glory and the wisdom and the truth of God. Will you do that? Will you work out that balance? it's going to be hard there's going to be tensions should I be here, shouldn't I be here this is difficult but God says work it out work it out work it out for my name because if it prospers so too will you prosper Jubilee, where's your Babylon? be a blessing and as priests in action we pray, don't we? we pray Ephesians 3:12 in him through faith uh, in him and through faith in him we approach God with freedom and confidence thank you lord Hebrews 10:19 let us draw near to God with a sincere heart in full assurance of faith we can pray it's not a th- it's not a thing that we do i think we heard that this morning it's not a thing that we do when We can't do anything else. No, no, no. We can pray first and foremost. When God looks at you and me and sees the perfection he sees the perfection of Jesus, because we are hidden in him. Not slaves anymore, but sons. And so Jubilee, we can come with a boldness and a confidence that when we pray he hears. When we cry out, he moves in somewhere. Not not just I'm not just talking about kind of wimpy pathetic prayers that I prayers that I sometimes kind of say. if it be your will, Lord. If it be your will, I hide behind that. No, rather, bold prayers, exciting prayers. Lord, let Omid get asylum so that he can continue to glorify your name in the Mima Art Gallery. Let your birthday party, gift day, take our breath away and bust our 40K faith gap. Lord, heal depression. Heal disability. Heal pain. Sort out that pornography problem. Strengthen marriages. Transform our universities. Raise and release our kids right now. In the name of Jesus, we cry out. We cry out. What a privilege it is to be part of you, Jubilee. The Jubilee priests in action. You inspire me. Finally, the great high priest. You know what? Being a priest is still a dangerous job, just like it was in ancient times. This great commission is scary that we're called to. It will require risk-takers, men and women of faith and boldness. This priestly role that we're all involved with will entail insults. It will entail financial costs, steps of faith, hardships, battles, casualties, setback. It will. But you know what? This is the comfort. This is the strength we have. A great high priest whose name is love. Whoever lives and pleads for me. My name is graven on his hands. My name is written on his heart. I know that while in heaven he stands, no tongue can bid me thence depart. No tongue can bid me. Thence depart. The bank can come up. The priests and rituals of old were imperfect. They were a temporary solution pointing to a greater reality, a reality of a coming great high priest. God come to us, come to us, who offered himself as the sacrifice of all sacrifices, the perfect mediator. Um, between God and humanity, who put his feet in our shoes, the greatest blessing to mankind, defeating our biggest enemies, sin and death on the cross. And by his resurrection, declaring victory, victory, victory over us. It is finished. Jesus at the right hand of God, forever praying bold Praying boldly, interceding prayers for us 24-7. Our perfect, great high priest. I'm going to end with this quote to encourage, us, to encourage us. As long as the world lasts, Jesus will be with us in the world. This is the loving comfort the one who has put all his enemies under his feet and has died for us and has risen for us and triumphed over sin and guilt and condemnation and suffering and death and Satan and who has all authority in heaven and on earth, this one, Jesus, the great high priest, this one comforts us by promising that he will be with us continually to the very end of the age to do us good and to bring us safely to everlasting joy. Happy birthday, Jubilee. Almost, let's stand. Yeah, Lord, I thank you. I thank you that you are our great high priest. I thank you that you are the one who mediates for us. I thank you, Lord, that there are no restrictions to run into the Father's.